Welcome to the Boho News Podcast. Here, we share the latest news, comments and opinion from across the boutique, lifestyle and luxury hotel sectors, along with thought-provoking interviews with industry leaders. My name's Eloise Hansen, editor at BHN and host of this week's episode. This time, I'm speaking with Charlie McGregor, founder and CEO of The Social Hub, to discuss the impact of changing traveller habits on the group's expansion and the need for affordable student housing in Europe. We also talk about Jedi's, Leonardo DiCaprio, and the ultimate dream goal of world peace. Charlie, welcome to the show. Thanks for uh, taking the time to speak with me today. Where are you calling in from? Yeah, hi, thanks. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, I'm calling from uh, the social hub in Amsterdam, of the Vuurbuitstraat, so TSH city, and I brought my golden retriever to work today. So the the whole lobby has been, uh, they've been all very excited that there's a golden lab running through the, the hotel. So that's he right. He or she from the lab? It's a he and she, he is called Jedi. So the Star Wars fans in the lobby are very, very excited that there's a Jedi in the building. I think there was once upon a time where there was a consensus in my dad for for the the sake of being the comedic clown, he is Tick Jedi. So... That's right. He was on a consensus or something. Yeah, there was a lot of people <laughs> Yeah, bizarre but anyway um for those listening to uh this podcast will now be somewhat familiar with our new format and uh, we always like to kick off with some quick fire personal questions charlie um so let's begin by asking what's been your best achievement in life or business Wow, that's a good one. Um, I mean, yeah, I've got four kids, so I'm pretty proud of my my little kids. Uh, that's fantastic. It's a real legacy and an honor to see uh, them growing up and watching my wife and myself grow as parents. That's uh, That's been pretty exciting. And of course, next to that, uh, I have uh, a business, the Social Hub, uh, formerly the Student Hotel, which I'm exceptionally proud of. Uh, we've got a team of about a thousand people, which is um, which makes me smile as well. And being able to watch them grow and uh, uh, thrive and also have families and careers and stuff and then I also have a, a charity uh, movement on the ground which we're busy redefining the model of a refugee camp uh, so that's also one of my uh, my secret passions well we'll certainly be learning more about movement on the ground later on so hold that hold that thought for now yeah. Charlie um flip this on its head what's been your worst mistake in life or business worst mistake um yeah, I've made loads for sure. I um, I try not to think of mistakes, and I hope this is not just an excuse for all the mistakes I've made. Um, <laughs> that I that I try to learn from my mistakes. So you know, we've fallen down many times. Starting this business cost me a, a lot of rejections. So you could argue I made a lot of mistakes in those pitches and stuff like that. But from every single fall that I had, I I, I learned something and stood up and 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 yeah, moved on. I think so. Um, I think, you know, if I look back, I, I can say that I underestimated the amount of people we would need to run a business. You know, I underestimated the the sort of people side of the business, but I, um, but I, I quickly learned that and, and really revel in the, in the, the people side of the business. And it's a realizing that that's, that's the heart and soul of our, our company. So, uh, well, I'm for, there's probably hundreds of people out there saying, Hey, yeah, Charlie, <laughs> lots of mistakes you've made. <laughs> <laughs> I won't ask anybody to write in. Don't you yeah. worry. <laughs> uh, 
Um, and and to, move, to move the convo on here, um, Charlie, if you could tell your 18-year-old self one thing, what would that be? Yeah, um, I would tell him to keep believing because um, I didn't do very well at school. Uh, so I had a lot of teachers around me telling me that I was uh, useless and not very clever and things like that. Um, and I and I was told to kind of buckle down. And I, I always had, you know, passionate dreams and and a, and a good feeling of intuition and energy. And I knew that I wanted to do something and have a positive impact on the world. So, so I would say to myself, keep dreaming, keep fighting, and keep being yourself. That's some great advice just there. Um, if you could have three people alive or dead around your dinner table, who would they be? Mm. Um, I have to say I am lucky to know some of these people. Uh, so there's a lady called Corinne uh, Virgo. She's the one of the founders of TomTom. Um, she has a... Um, a digital academy which she set up which is completely free she's she's one of the the heroes in my in my uh my world in terms of the education uh world and the disruption she's been doing she's a real force of nature uh there's another dutch uh, she's french there's a dutch guy called rutger brechman who's a philosopher he's written a book he's written lots of books but uh, the book that i'm uh, <laughs> I, I know it, it. i it, think it i know it the... yes yeah um oh gosh the name Mankind. escapes me about yes yeah so fantastic book yeah it's amazing huh so when i read this book i was like this i mean to me this is why our business has been successful because we trusted the best in people we believed that people were good when i started the business as a student hotel people were telling me that i needed to have a separate entrance for students and hotel guests because for some reason they thought whole hotel guests would attack young students i was like are you insane this is <laughs> But, um, but it was really true. And that wasn't that long ago. That was 15 years ago. And when I read his book, I was like, this is exactly what I've been trying to say and what we've been we've been following this philosophy. But he managed to articulate in a slightly better way than I can. So he's a real <laughs> hero of me. Um, and then I think I would probably like to have somebody like, um, I don't know, Leonardo DiCaprio, just to put a different spin on it. <laughs> <laughs> here, here, how it is on that side of the spectrum, but uh, just just to get the, the the breadth there, that yeah. everyone can bring something a bit different to the exactly. table. I like it. <laughs> Some very great choices there. <laughs> um, and and lastly, Charlie, uh, what does your ideal weekend look like? Mm, ideal weekend is uh, probably uh, seeing some friends, having a nice dinner, a uh, couple of bottles of wine, spending some time with the kids. Uh, I've got four kids ranging from 15 to four. So either watching football or taking them to birthday parties is kind of the, the flavor of this uh, this year. Um, but yeah, spending time at home, of course, um, trying not to to catch up on too many emails and and, and work and stuff, but uh, just being uh, having some fun and being a family, uh, family guy. And obviously hanging around with Leo, Roger and Kareem. So um, yeah. <laughs> pretty that's, good weekend, huh? That's not a bad weekend. <laughs> So let let's now talk about the social hub, um, and I'm and I'm curious to learn more about uh, traveller demographics. Um, I understand that the social hub caters to a variety of different guests, but how are changing traveller demographics, values, demands, needs now informing uh, your growth strategy? Mm. Um, yeah, it's a good question. I think they were they were. 
accelerated some of these trends with COVID, to be honest. Um, so I think what we saw before was that the the age gap between a student and their parents was was much closer, uh, powered by technology, of course. When I was younger, you used to stand on a corner and phone home from a, at a designated time on a payphone box. Uh, you would never see your, your parents in your student dorms or part of your student life. If it was. And now, of course, with technology and WhatsApp and FaceTime, we're in each other's faces literally all the time. You know, we're videoing, calling, and that was not thought of. That was not really possible uh, uh, half a decade ago, a decade ago. So I think what I saw was the the the, the ages were getting much closer together. So mm. parents were wanting to be part of a student's life. They were coming to do Europe together, uh, much much more involved in each other's uh, journey. Um, and then of course we have the the corporate and the corporate traveler who is used to sort of the Hilton Honors experience with a nice little dedicated uh, floor mat in front of reception and a nice shiny lift button that said Hilton Honors members only. And that was kind of the way it was. And I think with co-working, with what we worked did to the market, really disrupted that way of working. Um, um, and I think now the the corporate guest is also blending, you know, leisure is, is a real thing where they're, they're really bringing business and work together. Um, wanting to spend some time not in their room working, not in their dead lobby working. You know, that's why a lot of people grab their laptop and walk, go to a near Starbucks or whatever it is. And that's really what we're trying to do in the social hub. We've seen these, these ages and these demographics blending together. We like to say that they're connected by a mindset. So there's one consistent red thread, which is one mindset. And that is really being open for connections and being open for meeting new people. And, and with our model, of course, we have all different ages and different people in our lobbies at any time. So everybody's welcome uh, from the neighborhood. We have co-workers, co-livers, hotel, leisure, uh, leisure, corporate, uh, students and <laughs> everyone. So, so I think that's really where we see it all coming together. And we, we that was really accelerated with COVID for sure. Um, and I think brands like the Hoxton are really, you know, accelerating that because they're they're using their their lobbies as workspaces which is very popular they're getting into co-working which is which is definitely the way forward uh, and really trying to embrace that local network so it's definitely a, a big business uh, these days and growing and so with these changes um not what what can we expect first of all um, from you guys in 2024 so let's talk about new openings new activations but also how are these changings um, informing what you actually look for in a project imagine city centers close to universities uh, as an example here yeah. um, over to you um, yeah I mean our model has, has been adapting over the time, of course, we've we've um, you know we're we're adding more co-working to our spaces. So, the building I'm in today, it was opened in 2015. It has 1,300 square meters of of co-working. Barcelona, we've just opened. It has 3,000 square meters of co-working. So, on the ground floor, you start to see that we're really embracing this this co-working uh, moment movement. Um, you know, the theaters and the meeting rooms and the different uh, bars and restaurants are all still there. The gyms are still there. The room mix upstairs is pretty much the same. You know, it's it's um, generally about 400 rooms per per hub, uh, with four star hotel rooms, co co living rooms or extended stay rooms, and then rooms dedicated to students that turn into three star hotel rooms in in the summer. So so the business model is pretty much the same. Is I think we've just put a bit of a more focus on increasing 
the the ground floor and that 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 co-working revenue from you know sort of 11% of our revenue up to 20 25% of our revenue that's kind of a strategy uh, in terms of locations yeah i think you know we're looking for hubs there needs to be students there good university life there needs to be a good startup mentality um and, and vibe and there needs to be of course uh, some tourists uh, and 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 a reason to come there so we're looking for the the cool places in town and we we have now 23 uh, assets secured in our portfolio and they're they're really it's a champions league um you know uh, viewing of cities when you when you look at the the cities that we have so i'm, I'm really happy that we've got a got those places can we talk about the glasgow opening and i and i want to talk about it because it's your market debut uk debut back to your home country and I believe you grew up in Edinburgh so there must be a, a a passion there for you a bit of a milestone opening but can you tell us um a what to expect from the launch but b what does it feel like to know knowing that you are back in Scotland yeah it's really nice actually uh, <laughs> uh I mean yeah I'm Scottish uh, I'm from Edinburgh um, you know, when I left Edinburgh, the Edinburgh Glasgow rivalry was was uh, was was uh, alive and kicking. Um, it's still there, but I think it has toned down a little bit, which is which is good to see. Uh, we've been looking in in Edinburgh and Glasgow for for many years. I have to say, when we saw this site in Merchant City, it's right in the heart of Glasgow. It's an amazing. It was an amazing empty plot. Uh, it was going to be a shopping centre for years, and it's just made, it remained a sort of empty piece of land. So. Great to be involved in a city centre regeneration. That's really something I'm passionate about. Um, the city have been very, very supportive. You know, they've they've really understood our model. They've understood that we want to bring the locals into our lobby and activate the local community and make sure that we're not a black box. It's only for mm. our community, but for for the city and for the for the, the neighbourhood. So I think they've really seen the power of our our model as a regeneration tool. They've really embraced us and helped us uh, build this. We've, it's been a very yeah, quick process in terms of from submission the planning application going through and getting the building done and we open in uh, in april this year um and what you can see is extensive co-working uh the latest tch you know blending of spaces for sure there's amazing theaters in this building it's got rooftop uh, rooftop bars and different bars and restaurants it's going to be a real 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 uh, game changer for this neighborhood um and I think when you look at the hotel market in Glasgow, it's 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 not the strongest. You know, the ADRs are not the strongest uh, in, in town. Um, but it's uh, you know, I think our model is is really suited for these type of markets. It's um, so I'm really excited about. It. I really th and I I have to smile a little bit because you know, one of our philosophies of it is is everybody should like everybody, and and we're going to put it to the test in uh, in 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 Glasgow with the Rangers and Celtic fans if they can really. <laughs> Liking, liking everybody, everybody should like everybody. So, so I, I'm really excited. To be honest, I'm a little bit more nervous as well because I, I think you know, you understand the, you understand society and how it's made up in your hometown. You know, you know mm. the the different sort of barriers of different groups and and stuff like that. And it's it's quite easy sometimes to go in naively to a new city and say, oh yeah, I'll just put a building and everybody's going to mix together. And and sometimes you know, now I'm back in Scotland, I realise, whoa, we've actually been asking quite a lot for the locals you know it's quite disruptive yeah. in some of the mindsets of some of the cities we've been in um, but ultimately it works really really well and and we really work hard to create safe spaces where everybody does feel welcome and uh, and stuff like that so I'm I'm super proud I'm a bit nervous about my, all, my, all my old mates turning up and uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, it would be a great reunion party, launch party, however you want to want to frame it. Um, but honestly, be best of luck with the opening. Um, I can, I, I, I can, I can sense the the pride on your face when mm. when when talking about it. Um, so hopefully one day I'll be able to come along and experience it for myself. And for for, for up until now, we've um, largely focused on hotels right you just mentioned hotel ADRs for example in, in in Glasgow I want to move the conversation on to look more at the student housing sector side um, and I understand there's a serious lack of student accommodation across Europe um, perhaps one of the reasons why planning in Glasgow went, went through so quickly is because there was a huge need um, for for projects like this um, do you think we are going to see more hospitality developers and operators enter the student sector? Mm, I don't know if we'll see too many hospitality players enter the mm. student housing sector. I mean, it was a big talk in, in Corona, of course, because they had empty rooms. I know a few hotels here in Amsterdam and, and probably lots of other places tried to do it. Ultimately, you need access to kitchen you need access to cooking space. Otherwise, you know, it becomes a very solitary space if uh, if you're if you you can't really afford to to give everybody cooking downstairs and 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 table service and stuff like that is too expensive. So, and if you're eating all in your room, it becomes a very lonely experience. So you need access to to communal facilities and you need a different different team structure. Um, but I do, you know, there is definitely a shortage of of accommodation. There's a, there's a massive shortage of affordable accommodation as well, mm. which uh, is a big uh, is a big big problem and the reality is that you know there's there's many private uh, suppliers of of student accommodation like ourselves and we have to buy land at commercial spaces we have to you know take the risk of construction we have to get bank debt at commercial rates and and so it's only natural that we're looking for market market conform rents and we take take the you know we all have our different segments etc but I think the biggest area which needs to be focused on in student housing is affordable student housing and that needs to be provided by either providing land to developers you know so university or government saying hey here's a piece of land you don't need to pay for it but i want to have a rental cap on this or there needs to be some sort of tax breaks or something like that to to me because it's not right that the private sector should be responsible for producing subsidized student accommodation but this is the big gap in the market mm -hmm. uh, in many cities, that uh, some of the products is old as well, so there's a diversity of of product need needed, and the reality is that universities get a lot of their funding from foreign students because they pay more. Um, so this is a little bit that it's quite a complex, um, quite a complex uh, sector. But I think the hospitality sector will probably stay. You know, if they're going to advance anywhere, they're going to advance into more extended stay and more into co-working as well, because I think that really brings in the locals, makes sense for them. Building on top of that note there about where hospitality um, might move into and expand into, um, are there any other sectors within hospitality or perhaps broadening the conversation now to look at operational real estate where you expect to see greater convergence? Um, I think the what I find interesting is, you know, the, the hospitality sector I mean, even the word hospitality, you know, you want to have hospitality in an office building, you know, you walk into a normal yeah. office building and you walk into a, 
pretty dry reception <laughs> um you know in many of the ones in london they've got security is the first thing you see you know these metals yeah. are, so it's not a very hospitable place and this is this is where your clients and your business partners and your staff walk in every day so so i think you know there's a there's a lot to be learned from the hospitality industry on how to make a place feel warm and welcome and uh, and stuff like that um and i think that's applicable for any area of properties you see it, of course, in residential, you know, some of these service department blocks where they're looking for um, real community feelings and stuff like that. And you've got an amazing company in in uh, in uh, the U.S., in, in New York and uh, called Irby. They do service departments really, really nicely and it's super nice. And they really put the community in the center and stuff like that. And But it's got a hospitality mindset and it's got a real uh, how do we, you know, operationally make this space feel come alive. So I think the hospitality sector has got a got a a good role to play there in the whole property industry, whether it be um, offices or residential. Um, that's something they they can they can definitely uh, definitely uh, step into as a service, I guess. There's certainly we we know anecdotally that there are a lot of um, co-working operators and startups now that are employing former hospitality staff to work within their co-working space for that exact reason that that the skills that hospitality staff have are so transferable that they can be applied to different buildings asset classes um so i think i think that is something that we are going to see more of moving forwards for sure that's really interesting i mean we were talking about this as well that if you think about hospitality it doesn't you know, tend to attract um, you know uh, people with university degrees or, or things like that. You know, so it's it's, it's a quite an easy entry into into the the workforce. But the skills you learn on how to interact with human beings are you know critical, absolutely critical. And I think you know the we often underestimate that that human interaction skill and being able to read if somebody wants to have a good chat or not have a good chat and being yourself at the same time. So I think. There's a lot to offer uh, in the hospitality world and the people entering into the hospitality business are really some of the more personable people. Uh, and, and generally, that's a, a huge skill set to really embrace and to take forward in whatever you do in whatever career you're going to. I was having a conversation um, with a lady yesterday and she I, I, I quote her to say, once you're bitten by the hospitality bug, you are in infected in that you it's so infectious that once you've got it, you are within the industry. It's so hard to leave. And I think it's because you've got, yeah, the, the skills that, that the people that you meet, we're all like minded, we're welcoming, we're fun, we're approachable. Um, you do have some fantastic innovators also working within the industry, um, moving moving the sector on. Absolutely. Earlier, Charlie, you mentioned movement on the ground. Um, and for anybody that might be listening who is unfamiliar with this charity, could you please provide um, a brief introduction? Yep, you're going to have to stop me because I start talking about this. <laughs> Yeah, Movement on the Ground is, a, is an NGO. Um, we're focused on helping refugees. We started by volunteering on the Greek island Lesbos in 2015 when there was 10,000 people uh, fleeing the Syrian war and landing on the, the Greek shores. 
the the founders were inspired by the young uh, body of um, uh, the Turkish uh, young Turkish boy who washed up on the on the shores. Um, and my son was uh, very much the same age at the time, and I thought, yeah, this is this is happening in Europe. So we all we all jumped on a plane and went to, to Lesbos and started to to help people landing on those the European shores. I think as it is evolved very much from those early days, we we started building pop up camps and stuff like that into camp management. And what we see uh, is that we trusted the people coming landing on the shores, and we started asking them for help because we were just a very small NGO group of friends. So we started asking the, the the refugees who are staying in these camps for a few days to help us either translate or be provide medical experience or help us uh, do the cooking or whatever it was or the infrastructure. And that's really evolved. And what we started to see is by asking some of these people to help, they really started to get the spark back in the eye because they'd been traveling and fleeing for so long. They wanted to, not all of them, of course, but many of them wanted to do something to help their fellow uh their fellow people and countrymen in, in need um and it gave them a real sense of hope that they could give something back and by giving them a sense of purpose and a sense of hope it really it really made things uh, uh yeah much much better for everybody and also then it wasn't a them and an us situation that we as a sort of you know the the Europeans were handing out aid to the to the foreigners, et cetera. It was we as a team are trying to help everybody in this situation. And I think that really made then a, a real community uh, within these camps. And once you've got a community, then you start to trust each other, you start to respect each other. Then the violence goes down, the incidents go down, the locals' uh, complaints go down because they're they're part of the solution as well. So, so Moving on the Ground is really now focused on camp management and really redefining a refugee into what we call camp us, um, a campus, um, where we bring the locals into the into the into play. We really activate the communities uh, through infrastructure and operational projects, uh, and we bring in uh, different sponsors and, and partners to do many different activities. and 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 we see that this model is just much much cheaper to run than a traditional refugee camp, and is much more effective and has much much less incidents than a normal camp. So. So our goal is really to try and uh, roll this out in different countries. We're, we're doing that in Greece and we're, we're busy with the Dutch government here in, in Holland, rolling it out into the Dutch uh, um, um, refugee camps. And then hopefully that will be exported into other countries and adapted uh, eventually by the UNHCR. If, um, if there's an opportunity for anybody working within the industry to, to get involved and support, um, how, how can they? Charlie, how how can they get in touch? Uh, we do volunteer programs with uh, with companies. So TSH is a good example. Um, of course, TSH and Movement are, are very close together. Um, but TSH uh, does two trips a year. So we mm-hmm. we're basically a, a, a partner of Movement on the Ground. We've incorporated this into our um, human resources, into our rewards uh, program. So one of the, the the rewards or one of the options that people can sign up for is, is it's called the elevator. And we have five different courses. The top one's like an MBA, et cetera. But this one's in the middle. It's called the elevator course. People can sign up for it and, and, and apply to be part of this program. And as part of that program, you 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 do uh, volunteering in, in Lesbos and in, in Holland. So you become part of the, the, the movement team. And that's a week that we, we facilitate as, as TSH. And what we see is, as an employer, if I put my sort of TSH hat on, um, you see a group of colleagues uh, leaving and you see a group of friends coming back. 
Um, and it's really, really powerful to see that 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 even if it's a small group of 10 people, that sort of oil drop of friendship mm. and, and uh, uh, companionship, et cetera, spreading throughout the whole company it really really um starts to become the glue that holds 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 us as a team together so we do that and i'd really recommend uh, any other company that wants to to get into these type of uh human resource or uh, people uh, people uh, empowerment plans etc reaches out to 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 us at tsh or, or movement on the ground and we can really connect you and if not us then please you know going to help save save dogs or ponies or whatever the whatever the <laughs> charity is that speaks to you but this type of volunteering is is one good for the world for sure um it's great way to build your team and your 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 um your community within your your company and uh, and is great for your csr uh, rewards points as well so mm-hmm. so win 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 what do you think the industry could do better to support humanitarian causes and other social issues we're in a climate of you know serious geopolitical unrest i'm sure there's more that we could be doing what does that look like in your opinion i think a lot to be honest i mean um you know a lot of the, the the hotel brands are great brands but they are there are, a lot of them are manufactured to to you know to replace another brand because the hotel is not in that condition anymore, uh, or manufactured to 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 target a specific audience for a specific uh, community and demographic etc. Or, or price point. Um, what I miss is the why. You know why are these brands here? What is the real you know if you, the brand triangle, the why, what, and the how? Um, I miss that, and I miss the real standing up voice you know we have an opinion and we we stand up for this and some of the bigger brands you know the more consumer facing brands like mm-hmm. nike etc they, they 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 do this much better and i think in the hospitality world i think we can we can learn from there you know if i look at tsh the 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 why of the social hub is we believe that bringing people together will create a better society we know that that's quite a lofty ambition of course but we we really feel that that's uh, that's achievable we do it by providing fun and meaningful events. So we have 2,000 events that we we host and, and uh, facilitate on a yearly basis. And we do that in our buildings where we make sure there's a safe environment where people from different backgrounds, and luckily we have you know about 90-odd nationalities at any one time in our buildings. So we're used to these different ideas and, and people coming from different you know conflict zones. So So we really try to make sure within our community we create safe spaces where people can have different ideas and it's totally fine you know it's all all fine to have a totally different view on things it doesn't mean we need to fall out with each other or start abusing each other um it's okay and i think what we're trying to do is foster a a a space where people can really respect each other's opinions and and feel safe in that environment Mm -hmm. because the the service that we're doing with our community there is as you said um a lot going on and people just don't feel safe they don't feel Mm -hmm. safe to voice what they even think you know or ask a question about stuff you're not you you know it's scary to even ask a question today about stuff because you you suddenly get pigeonholed or labeled left or or right or whatever it is and it's and i think that's uh i think that's what we can do as big companies we can really take a take a take a stand a bit more and and protect our communities a bit more Mm -hmm. thanks for that charlie i have one final question for you Um, And it's a question that I quite like to ask because you can play into this from a professional industry perspective or you can you can move into this from a personal 
perspective, but what's the one question that you have never been asked that you wish you had? That's a good question. One question <laughs> I've never been asked that I wish I had. Um, you're going to ask me the question, aren't you? <laughs> I've 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 heard um I've heard some people uh, reply to this um saying what what's my greatest fear which yeah. I thought was quite a, quite an insightful one um and I have I've had other people reply to this saying um people have never asked me why I have certain opinions of said topic i.e. should we be scared of Airbnb as an example I think I would turn it around I'm, I'm not too afraid of things i would say what is your ultimate dream um and then my answer would be world peace um and again i know that sounds ridiculous who the hell am i to say world peace but i do believe that world peace starts with ourselves and with every single individual um and i am very very excited and very proud that you know the, the social hub with the why of bringing people together, we believe we can create a better society. I believe that it's, uh, it is possible and it's gonna start with the next generation. And we, as uh, the, the, the generation we're in, have a responsibility to really encourage people to believe that world peace is possible and that mm. it's done differently from what's been happening today. We all have a role to play in that. Um, and even if it is baby steps moving towards a, a, a larger goal, but, um... Exactly. Exactly. The good news is that there's such a such a lot of chaos going on in the world that uh, you know there there has to be a different way of doing things than uh, than what's been going on. So let's hopefully we can uh, the next generation will uh, will really show us how to do it properly, peacefully. Very nice. Thank you so much for your time, Charlie. I've really enjoyed chatting with you today. Best of luck with all the launches this year, um, and Thank hopefully you. I will catch you in person very soon. In Glasgow, yeah, you're more than welcome. Nice <laughs> to meet you. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Boho News podcast. If you'd like to keep up to date with industry news, head on over to boutiquehotelnews.com and subscribe to our weekly newsletter.